This is COVID-19 Seattle. I'm Dave Ross. And I'm Aaron Granillo. The University of Washington campus could be pretty empty this fall as the school plans to move 80% of classes online. GeekWire reports the current plan is to adopt a hybrid learning approach. That means classes that have more than 50 students could be taught online. The decision should protect international students from new federal regulations that could force them to leave the country. Harvard and MIT are fighting that rule, which says foreign students can't stay in the country if they only take online classes. Here's legal analyst Lori Levinson. This lawsuit claims that what the administration and ICE have done is arbitrary and capricious, that there is really no good reason to take away the foreign students' visa status and put them back in the classroom in the middle of a pandemic. And she says the other major issue is schools would lose tuition money if the students leave. To have them get up and leave not only hurts the students, but actually will hurt the programs at the university. What do you make of this decision from the the federal government essentially saying, you know, if you're if you're a foreign student and you have a student visa, you have to leave if you only take classes online? Yeah, it doesn't seem necessary. I'm not sure what the motivation is behind it. What I do know is that most of those foreign students, when they go to state schools, for example, pay full out-of-state tuition, which those schools need. You have schools now which are so uh, strapped for money that Stanford, for example, is eliminating a number of sports entirely from their program because without the money from football, for example, they can't finance those other sports. So to pile on like this seems unnecessary. Yeah. Running out of money, of course, is a major concern for many colleges and universities. Washington State University uh, announced last week that freshmen would have to pay in full for their housing and dining before arriving on campus. No refunds if Wazoo went completely online. Uh, This has changed since then, but the university would not give freshmen a housing assignment without first signing that agreement. Here's attorney Joe Bennett. As a lawyer, I thought that the whole concept of amending a contract to increase the price and and essentially make incoming students to be the financial guarantee for the college was an incredibly poor decision. And parents, of course, couldn't stand this. They lost an online petition and Washington State backtracked and announced a change of plans. And now if a public health order requires them to vacate residence halls due to COVID-19, they said they will give either a refund or a credit. I had serious doubts that a court would have enforced this. I was amazed that Washington State would try to roll this out. I know they were under financial pressure, but from a legal perspective, this contract was very poorly conceived and I think would not have been enforceable. And we do know, uh, just looking at the University of Washington, that uh, outbreaks can happen on college campuses. An update there, the number of confirmed positive students as of yesterday is up to 142. That is, again, even with a mandated 50% capacity in the fraternity houses where this outbreak started, and with considerably fewer students living on or near campus than we'll see in the fall. Looking at the calendar right now, it says we're in July, but for some reason, Dave, it looks like hospital workers are responding to the outbreak as if it were April all over again. CBS's Carter Evans reports some nurses and doctors still do not have enough personal protective equipment in California. This California nurse says she's wearing donated gear and has to wipe down her gown between patients. They get one mask per shift now, and they have to move between COVID patients and people who are not infected. 
to have the thought of maybe we're giving it to them is not what we took our nursing oath for. Also, supply shortages of PPE forced five COVID testing sites to close in Sacramento. And Carter Evans reports the problem is being felt globally. In this memo to Congress, six of the nation's largest medical distributors warned raw material for PPE is now in a really bad position worldwide. Material for gowns is unavailable at any price and continuing to supply protective equipment is not sustainable. Here in Washington, the governor's senior policy analyst, Reed Schuler says the state is keeping close watch on the PPE situation here. We're carefully monitoring state and national trends in personal protective equipment. And while the gradual trend of the PPE supply chain has been in the right direction, we know that demand is at an all-time high. We have demand for PPE from many sectors with limited or no PPE needs pre-COVID that now see elevated need for protecting their workers. And we're starting to see some alarming news stories about threatening PPE shortages elsewhere around the country. So we're remaining in close contact with a variety of sectors and and with healthcare and other frontline workers about PPE status. And he says the good news here is Washington state supply has increased significantly. But still, Dave, I mean, how is it even possible that we are still talking about a shortage of PPE? How many months have we been warned that the wave is coming or that the wave never left? And do we not remember the scenes in New York City? I'm amazed that this country, and this is something that that we should have done as a country, it seems to me, uh, didn't make good on those promises to ramp up manufacture of this personal protective equipment right here in America. When you talk about supply chain problems, you're talking about overseas. So apparently we're still relying on other countries for a significant proportion of this, even though we've had months of advance notice that this was coming. People need work. Seems as if we could have people... On factory lines, building Isn't that the PPE. Truth? Right. I mean, people who don't have jobs waiting tables anymore or uh, working in restaurants or the other businesses that have had to close could at least make some money making what the nation needs. And right now, that's gowns and masks. Well, if you haven't already guessed it, the Washington State Fair is officially called off. For the past 120 years, we have met the challenges of fires and floods, withstood changes in culture, and the challenges of time. And except for the four years of World War II, operated uninterrupted that entire span. But they'd never seen COVID-19 before. And now State Fair CEO Kent Hojim says it is simply too dangerous to open the Puyallup Fairgrounds. Now, ticket holders and participants who've already paid should get refunds. Uh, There is a possibility for some modified fair events announced later this summer. And good news for you, Dave, because you're a big fried food fan. There is still hosting this drive-through fair food weekends for you. So you can just drive in with your butterfly net and they'll just toss snacks into it? Is that what it is? I think that's how it works. Yeah. (laughs) You better just hope your your deep-fried butter stick doesn't get stuck in that net. Well, I don't know about the deep-fried butter stick, but I I did have to go out and buy a package of Little Debbie's, those those. Chocolate-covered peanut butter uh, wafers. Three ninety nine <laughs> for a good week's supply there. Um, I haven't been to the fair in a while, but I'm really hoping it comes back next year because I've got grandkids now, Aaron, and I want to be able to bring them to the fair because there's nothing that makes the fair exciting like seeing the look on little kids' faces when they see the roller coaster and they see the food and the animals and all the rest. It'll be back next year, right? Uh, as long as there's a vaccine, right? So... Um... Hopefully. Yeah. yeah. We'll have a vaccine. Are you big on roller coasters? Nah. I rode one 
as a younger man. <laughs> okay. Six Flags Over Georgia, Great American Scream Machine. One afternoon, I did it seven times until I began to feel ill. And that was uh, that was my last encounter with a roller coaster. Do you remember screaming on that roller coaster? Probably. Okay. <laughs> Here's why I ask you, because there are several major amusement parks in Japan that have asked guests not to scream on the rides due to coronavirus concerns. This Is, is it a, waking up the neighbors? Is that the problem? Uh, something like that, yeah. Uh, but this includes at Disneyland and Universal Studios. And there's actually a demonstration video showing two executives. They're both wearing masks silently riding a massive roller coaster. The message, they say, is to please scream inside your heart. Please scream inside your heart? That's the message. That's probably more poetic in Japanese. I'm not surprised that the two executives would be able to ride a roller coaster without screaming because they have no hearts. Oh, wow. That is quite the dig, Dave. I was was going to say. It was just a joke. Okay, I hear you on that. It was just a joke. I'm sure that it'll be fine if you can get people to wear masks. You can get them to ride a roller coaster without screaming. As a longtime newscaster yourself, I'm sure you've had many instances on the air where you've wanted to scream... But you've had yes. to hold back. So you, you should be able to do this. That's what the off button is for, Aaron. We will be back tomorrow and every day after with a 10-minute rundown of the daily local news. You can subscribe to this podcast. You can also find our news coverage on MindNorthwest.com or listen live at 97.3 FM.